Tonight's uh, message is about Sammy. Sammy. Okay. Just hold that. Just put it in your pocket. Sammy. Salmon are amazing. Okay, not like cooked salmon. Okay, we're not talking about like like teriyaki salmon or sesame salmon. Like, think about salmon like the fish before all that happened. <laughs> before it was on your table, salmon in in the stream. Okay, put that in your pocket. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited about that because I was praying about um, the what we're in right now, this series on identity. Okay, and, um, I hope you guys are getting somewhere in this journey because um, that's really what it is. Like my hope is that um, as we've been going through this, that God's been showing you who you really are. Is that happening? Is that happening for anybody? Is it exciting at all? Is yeah. it like... It's yeah. good. All right, good. Oh, we got a raise yeah. for <laughs> That's That could be our new amen. <laughs> I was like, what, what's our amen? This could be it. All right. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, it is exciting. And it's life-changing, hopefully. <laughs> to know who you really are in God's eyes. And, um, you know, there's something that we have to realize. Um, like, as, as God has been bringing us through this, maybe, like, some of you are thinking, how did I not know this before? <laughs> I've had that thought. How did I not know? Like, it's in my Bible. Who I am. How did I not know this? <laughs> and uh, something you have to realize is, like, since the beginning, identity's been this thing in question. It's been this thing that we actually lost, like an awareness of who we really are, who we really were when God made us in His image. And <clears throat> the truth is that it's the thing that is at stake in our lives even still, is whether or not we'll actually get to see who we really are who we really are in God. It's the thing that Jesus came to reclaim, our identity. Not only to reclaim it, but to allow us then to be able to see it. Like he, he reclaimed our identity at the cross. When he said, not guilty. When he said, these are mine. When he said, I go in their place. He reclaimed our identity. So that any one of us who receives Him receives this new identity. But you know, receiving the identity and actually like understanding it and walking in it, it doesn't just happen. We can receive that identity and, and actually never walk in, walk in it. Never realize it. And actually I want you to know that that the devil knows this. Like, okay, Satan so knows this. The enemy, we have an enemy, an adversary, okay? And he's the accuser. That's what he's called. It's one of his names. He's got a lot of names. Um, the accuser. And you know what the accuser is doing? You know what he's accusing you of? Something other than your identity, God given identity. He's accusing you of something else. 
So when Jesus said not guilty, the accuser comes in and says, no, guilty, you're still guilty, you're still guilty. I mean, look, look at your life. How could, you, how could you be not guilty? That's the accuser. The accuser comes in and says, no, you're not a son, you're still a sinner. I mean, look, look at your life. <laughs> Do you know it actually takes faith to receive your sonship? To receive this new family that you've been ushered into from Jesus Christ. It actually does not take faith to know that you're a mess. <laughs> to, to identify yourself as a sinner. That doesn't take any faith. Because you're like, all you got to do is look at the last ten minutes of your life. And you're like, oh man, if anybody knew. You know, like. That does not take faith. And so the enemy, he's just like, he's like, man, I'm not even having to try that hard. I'm just like, you're still a mess. And we're like, I am. I'm still a mess. I am still as messed up as I was on day one, if not more. <laughs> like, and sometimes we actually think the gospel is, is actually showing us more and more how messed up we are. <laughs> That's so weird. How could that be? Because the gospel is supposed to be good news. The gospel is supposed to be, you have been made new by the blood. You're no longer a sinner. You're a saint through Jesus. That's a little uncomfortable. You're no longer a sinner. You're a son and a daughter. Because God spoke that over your life. When Jesus said, they're mine. So if you've received Jesus, you've received this new identity. And the greatest struggle in your life now is actually going to be accepting it, believing it by faith. That's the struggle. The struggle should not be proving it. The struggle is believing it by faith. God said you're righteous, and we've been talking about that the past few weeks, righteous. He made a declaration through Jesus because Jesus walked this life out and He lived in perfect communion with God and He went before us and He bore our sin. He bore all of our sin, past, present, future, on Him. The only perfect, the only righteous one so that we could be called righteousness. It says we're now the righteousness of Jesus. Hallelujah. Righteousness is right standing with God. Right standing. No longer subject to His wrath, but now able to receive the fullness of His love. Because sin is no longer an issue. It is no longer a barrier keeping us from our identity. It doesn't mean we don't still have our moments. We all have our moments. <laughs> but it is no longer the thing that defines us. You see, that is no longer our identity. We're righteous. We're made right in God's eyes. It says we're justified. Just as if we never sinned. Just as if we never ate of the fruit. And so what God is doing through His Son is bringing us back to our original identity. The way it was created to be in the garden. Oneness with Him. Unity. Freedom. 
joy, all that stuff, okay? You see that? Okay, so that's righteousness. I want to talk just a little bit about something that is a part of this whole thing, too. Um, I got an email this past week, and it was really great because um, it, it helps me understand where you guys are at, like where, like how much of this is sinking in and in what way. And so if you have feedback, I would love your feedback. It doesn't have to be an email. You can talk to me. Um, and that's positive or negative. You could just, things that are, you're thinking, like as we're going through this, um, I would love it, okay? And, and I also want you guys to know, like, two things. One, I encourage you to search this out yourself. Because when you search it out for yourself, God's going to give you a unique understanding. That's not someone else's understanding, but it's your own. Like, He's going to speak into your life in such a way that you're really going to be able to take hold of it. And so I encourage you to look for it. To seek it out yourself. And also, for the reason of... To keep, help me know if I'm on the right page here, okay? So, like, if I say something, don't just take it at uh, face value, okay? Go into the Word yourself. Find it. And if, if I'm wrong on something, you can tell me that too, okay? Because, like, hey, <laughs> it happens, all right? <laughs> so, you have permission to do that here, okay? Um, the other thing, I don't know what the other thing is. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Okay. Yes, it wasn't important. All right, so do that, okay? I invite you to do that. I encourage you to do that. So I want to talk about holiness. And I got this email, okay? And this really helped me because I felt like, okay, we're still maybe, okay, where, where next, God? Like, uh, that's me every week right now. It's just like, where next? Wherever you want to go, we're going. And there's a lot of stuff, like, I could talk for days. My wife will tell you. Um... <laughs> But I want to go where he wants us to go. And so I got this email and I just really felt like God just helped clarify. And um, it, was, it was on the issue of holiness and righteousness. And, and he said, you know, I'm not sure we fully realize what those terms mean. Right? So we're righteous. What does that even mean? And we're trying to unpack that. But then there's this holiness thing. And we talked about last week that righteousness bears fruit unto holiness. We talked about three weeks ago that... Um, in First Peter, it says to be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. Okay, so there's this call there to holiness in our lives, and what does that even mean? What does that look like? And I'll be honest, like there's like uh, I haven't really like delved into it. Um, so it was it was great for me to hear like, hey, this question: What does it even mean to be holy? And and some thoughts from him, and it just helped me this week to realize that's where we needed to go tonight. And so I just want to unpack that just a little bit because it could be weeks. Like we could spend weeks in holiness because uh, God is holy and, you know, it's just like this huge thing. Um, but what I want us to get tonight is a couple things. One, what does it actually mean to be holy? Like, like just a, a clear picture of that. And then two, what does that look like in our lives? Okay, so... What does it mean to be holy? This was great. And I told David I would give him credit for this because he, he said, um, you know, what's interesting about holiness, the first thing that God declared holy. You know what it was? It was in Genesis. It's in Genesis 2. We don't have to go there. But in Genesis 2, God says um, he set apart the seventh day and he declared it 
holy. He declared it sanctified. Alright, he declared a day holy. A lot of times we think holiness is first and foremost what you do. Do's and don'ts. Like, man, this Christian thing is tough because I'm supposed to be holy as God is holy. Holy moly, that's a lot of holy. <laughs> and, and like, we have that perspective and people outside of the church have that perspective. Man, they've got a lot of rules. they got a lot of regulations. Like, yeah, it's because of holiness. Like, you know, God said we're supposed to be holy kind of thing. But I want you to see, holiness, first and foremost, is something else. Because you realize a day can't do holy stuff. Do you realize that? A day can't do holy. For God said the very first thing that was holy was a day. This day, the Sabbath, he said it's holy. It's sanctified by his word. His word said this day is holy. And then he told them, keep this day holy. You may know this already, but if you don't, the picture we have there of holiness the, the word actually means, to be holy means to be sanctified, set apart, distinct. It's actually a distinction. It's a distinction. It's, it's actually the nature of whatever it's being talked about. It's the nature. It's not do's or don'ts. It's a nature. So the nature of the Sabbath was holy because God said... This day is holy. God is holy because it's his nature. He just is holy. He's perfect. He's good. All those things, they're just who he is. God has never had to try to be holy. You never have to try to be holy. He just is. And I want you to see that very first thing is that that holy, that call to holy, is called to a nature set apart. It's a nature set apart. So when, when, when God spoke through Peter in 1 Peter, be holy as I am holy, he's saying, be set apart just as I am set apart. Just as God is set apart, be set apart, be distinct. What is the distinction? You guys got that? It's that simple, okay? Holiness is first a nature is first a part of an identity. You know, before Jesus, we couldn't be holy, no matter how hard we try. After Jesus, he says, you're holy and beloved. Because we've received a new nature. We've received a new nature. (laughs) So holiness is not something you work for. It's something you've received through Jesus when he said, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. You are holy before you ever tried. (laughs) Just know that, okay? Before you ever go trying to be holy, know that you already are. You're set apart, you're distinct. Like there's a purpose for your life and God says it's to be holy. That already set you apart in that way. You got that? Okay. So, where do we go from there? Okay. Um, well, as we all know, that can't be it, can it? Like, like anybody here 
feel like they have less than a full understanding of holiness in their life? Yeah, that was a dumb question. I don't know why. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, okay, it starts with an identity, but it doesn't end there. Okay, because as we talked about, God has spoken a lot of things about who we are in Him. But we have to somehow take hold of those things in our lives. And just as we talked about putting on the robe of righteousness, we receive this new identity, and one of the, the distinctions is holy. Okay? So we receive that. We receive it. We don't try to earn it. That is so important. If we ever try to do things to prove that we are holy, we got it backwards. We have it backwards. That's called, it's called legalism. It's called works. It's, it's what Jesus came to set us free from. And it doesn't mean, I want you to see, it actually doesn't mean that we don't live out this holiness because we're called to. And we'll get to that. Um, okay. Let me just think where we need to go from here. I want us to just um, let's go to Galatians five real quick. I just want to read this. <coughs> just kind of sum up everything we we're talking about in that first part about this this new <coughs> distinction, this new nature that we've received. Galatians five. Galatians 5. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Nope, this is not the passage. Yeah. <laughs> this is the passage. It's alright. I'm not supposed to go here. Oh, okay, I wrote 1 through 15. I actually want to start at 16. Okay, we're there. Alright. It says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Okay. Remember I said we were going to talk about salmon? This sermon was about salmon. This is, this is where we talk about salmon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I was asking God, like, would you show me a picture of of this new distinction, what it means for us to be set apart first and foremost as something that you've designated, something that you've done, nothing we've done. And I had this, like, um, I met with some guys yesterday, and one of the things that came up was salmon. And I was asking God today, like this morning, even, God, just give me an example here. And I couldn't think of anything, and I was brushing my teeth, and the salmon 
came back, and I'm so thankful for the salmon. Okay, so the salmon, okay. I typed in, I was like, um, you know salmon swim upstream, okay. That's a picture of us being set apart. When all the other fish swim downstream, the salmon swims upstream. How more set apart could you be? Romans 12 says, Be no longer conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. It's a call to set apartness. Okay? The salmon is a picture of being set apart. Follow me here. Okay. When all the other fish are swimming downstream, the salmon swims upstream. That's cool. That's wild. It's pretty different. You realize actually that we can just go with the current. We can go with the flow. And this new nature that God has spoken over us Holy. It will be as if it has no effect in our lives if we don't embrace it. We don't receive it. We don't say yes to what God is saying yes to in our lives. So when God says holy, we probably shouldn't say something different. (laughs) We should say yes and amen. We should say yes, I believe that because you said it. Just like you said, but... Sabbath was holy. It was just any other day before God said, holy. That's your life. But he's spoken now and he said, holy. So let's not disagree with him. So we can go downstream though. We can just go with the flow. And the flow is not going in that direction. It's not going towards holy. So there's a call There's a call when it says, be no longer conformed to the world. It's this passive, I'm just going to let the world take me. I'm going to let the prevailing mindsets around me just let me go with them. But he says, you got a new nature, so don't be conformed any longer. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, meaning put on a new mind. A mind that says, I am who God says I am. That is not boastful. That's humility. That's faith. God, I know I don't feel like it, but I'm going to agree with you in faith that I am awesome because you said so. That I am holy because you said so. That I am righteous because you said so. That I'm brought into a new family because you said so. That my life is set apart because you said it was your design. Sam. It gets better. It gets better. Okay. Not only do salmon swim upstream, okay, but salmon, if you didn't know this already, they go back to the very place they were born. They migrate. Part of why they're going upstream is they're going back to their home. Salmon. They they spawn. They hang out for a little while in the river, and then they go into the ocean. They go into the ocean to get big and strong and all this stuff, and then they go back to their home. And it says that salmon actually 
have this amazing ability to go exactly back to the very place they were born. That's crazy. So I was like, what is, what is that about? So I'm looking it up, like, how, you know, Google, how does the salmon return home? <laughs> Why does a salmon swim upstream? That's the question I'm having, like, you know, that's, I'm like, if I can figure this out, we'll have a sermon. <laughs> so, I'm typing in. Everybody's telling me why they go upstream to spawn, but I'm like, that's not what I want to know. I want to know how. How? This is crazy. I gotta just read it from my phone because it's so cool. They're, they think they know how. You know, it's a theory, right? Because like this, stuff, some of this stuff just flows scientists' minds, and they're like, well, we just had to come up with a theory to make it fit, okay? Yeah. So, one of the things is salmon have this amazing sense of smell, and they say the closer that the salmon gets to its home, then it can smell, actually, like, the, the, the route, and it's just playing it in reverse. That in itself is crazy, but there's something else. How does the salmon go all the way from the sea back to the home? It's not by smell. Okay, I'm just going to read this. I'm going to read this. <laughs> you have a newfound respect for salmon, and, you know, that may just um, show up on the dinner plate, but still. Okay. Um, all right, when they... Here it is. When they mature, they return to the rivers to spawn. Usually they return with an uncanny precision to the natal river where they were born, and even to the very spawning ground of their birth. It is thought, when they were in the ocean, they used magnetoception. Anybody know about magnetoception? I just learned about it today. Ah. Alright, so I clicked on the link. See, you could... Why were you holding out on me? Why were you holding out on me? Magnetoception. Let's... Let's define what magnetoception is. It's a sense which allows an animal to detect a magnetic field to perceive direction, altitude, or location. Wild. Homing pigeons. They say have this same thing. It's how they know how to get home. Homing pigeons. Magnetoception. So I'm reading that, and I'm like, that's crazy. Like, they think that's what it is. Somehow, though, and I mean, the bottom line is the salmon swims upstream because God made it to. Like, if we just want to make it simple, you don't want big words like magnetoception. Just realize the salmon does this because that's who God designed it to be and to do. The salmon didn't one day dream up, I'm going to swim back to my homeland. It's never been done before. I would try really hard to concentrate and align myself with the magnets in the earth. Away we go. That did not happen. God was like, I'm going to make you swim back to where you came from. It's just who the salmon is. It's amazing. And what I want us to see is God gave us this new identity and is actually restoring us to the place that he wanted us to be in the beginning when we were made in the image of God. Amen. 
You know what our magnetism or whatever you call it is? It's the spirit in us. He didn't just say, I'm going to make you new and then I'm going to leave you to your own. He said, no, you know how you're going to get back home? You know how you're going to be holy? I'm going to put my spirit in you as a deposit of what your eternity is going to be like. Hallelujah. We're just like the salmon. Swimming upstream. And we can do it by His Spirit in us. If we've been born again, we've been given the Spirit, the Counselor, the Guide into all truth, the Comforter, the Spirit allows us to go where God has destined us to go. Allows us to be holy. Allows us to bear holy fruit. An apple tree only produces apples. His spirit in you only produces holiness. Now I want you to see one more thing. Like we talked about. There's a tension here because you can go downstream or you can go against the grain, you can go against the stream, against the current. But you got the spirit to do that. You have the spirit now to do that. I want to read Romans 8. Because it's like Paul is telling us the way that it's done is through the spirit in our lives. Romans 8. Just listen to how many times he talks about the spirit. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. You're free. You're free. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so, He condemned sin in sinful man, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Our new life is by the Spirit. There's only one way to be Holy by the Spirit in you. This new nature. This new distinction. That actually allows you to go where you couldn't go before. Allows you to go against the grain that you were just drifting in before He met you. That's the Spirit. Those who live according to the simple nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled by the sin, not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, good news. Well, well, not good news. It does not belong to Christ. The good news is you can have the Spirit. You just say yes. It's that easy. 
But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give light to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. That is here and now, folks. You want to know how you swim upstream? By the Spirit empowering your life. By the Spirit in you. By the Spirit. He goes on. By the Spirit. By the Spirit. By the Spirit. So how how do we let that take shape in our lives? We say yes to what God has said. We recognize what we have in us. Like we recognize that by the Spirit, we no longer have to serve our old desires. In fact, they're dead. Because <laughs> when we came in through Christ, we were buried with Him. What we're saying is, we buried our old life. And we said new to this new life. We said yes to the new life. I want you to see one more picture, and then we'll be done. Going back to Romans 12. When there's a therefore, it's to tell you why, what it's there for. <laughs> Everything prior to Romans 12, Paul's building up, okay? And he establishes everything we've been talking about. And there's a therefore, meaning now that you know this, now that you know this, now that you know that you've got a new nature, a new identity, and it's been marked by the Spirit which is in you. Now that you know that, he says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything that you've heard about what God has done, present your bodies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your spiritual act of worship. What it is, is you saying, praise God <laughs> through your life given over to Him. See, the truth is, the Spirit can be in you, but the Spirit will not force His way into your life. Like, I know it says, it says the mind controlled by the Spirit, but the Spirit does not just control you. You still say yes or no. So that's why He's saying, therefore... Because in light of everything you've heard, that what God has done in this new identity that's so amazing, that why wouldn't you want to live in it? In light of that, you know what we do? He said there's one sacrifice that's still worth something. Because all the other ones, they didn't do the trick. So we get Christ's sacrifice. He says there's still a sacrifice that's worth something. It's your life given over to God. Your life surrendered to the, the spirit in you that says we're going upstream. Life surrenders to what he says. And that life will bear fruit unto holiness. That life will produce holy fruit. Just like an apple produces apple, the life hidden in Christ will produce holiness. And what's amazing as you take hold of those two truths that He's called you holy already because He's the one who sets you apart and now you have the Spirit in you 
to help you live that out, you're going to see the difference. You will just see the difference. It won't be a matter of, it won't be a matter of, oh, I've got to do this. It will be a matter of, wow, God, it's amazing what you're doing when I just believe you at your word for what you say about God, I thank you for the salmon. <laughs> I thank you for this picture. I thank you for your plan. I thank you that we no longer have to go with the flow of yesterday. That we no longer have to go with the flow of what our old life said was normal, natural just the way it had to be. But because we've got you, we've been given a new identity, a new nature. Not to, not that leads to death, but that leads to life. And God, I just, I pray, Lord, that we would just see how amazing it is. We would see the truth that we were made to swim upstream. We were made to be gloriously different. Set apart. In our hearts. In our words. In our actions. God, I pray. That we would surrender to that work in us. But just as you spoke in holiness over us, that it will begin to manifest itself in our lives. You said the fruit of the Spirit is all these amazing things. Well, we have the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. That it's in us, it's here and now. And all we've got to do is just walk in. Thank you. God, I pray tonight for anybody that is yet to receive your goodness in this way. God, that you would, you would soften their hearts, God. You would draw them to your love, that your kindness would bring a change in direction. To actually realize we were made to swim upstream. To actually realize that their life is not their own, but it's, it's yours. It's for you. To you. God, I thank you for communion. I thank you for the amazing picture it is. Not only of what you've given us, but what we give you in return. You said everything that's yours is ours. And everything that's ours is yours. God, tonight we, we receive everything you've done through your Son. The finished work of Jesus. The new identity that has been purchased for us. We receive it. And God, we give to you what is ours in return our lives. 
We give to you our right to ourselves. We give to you everything that you've given us. We give it back to you. That's a picture of communion. God, I pray right now that you would soften our hearts in any way that we've been holding on to stuff that we just need to give to you because it's not ours in the first place. God, I pray right now that as we receive your goodness, the gift of your Son, that we would give you a gift back that is our lives as worship to you, surrender to you. God, as we drink of the cup and we eat of the bread, God, we receive all that you are. We receive your blood spilt on our behalf. We receive your body broken for us. And we give you back our lives. And may we just leave this place with a heart of worship, with a heart of thanksgiving a heart of gratitude, a life lived unto you. Thank you, Jesus.